Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. And so this morning, as we go to wrap up um, this series on the supernatural ways of royalty, I want to talk to you this morning about responsibility. Anybody here a Spider-Man fan? Not that many people, probably more some, like, you know, Batman, Captain America. Now everybody's like, are we allowed to admit this in church? I know your biggest superhero is Jesus, I get that. Now we're just talking about some fun stuff here. Just, But so, if you remember, and I'm not going to say the first Spider-Man, because I'm sure there was one older, but one of the first Spider-Mans that I remember... Uncle Ben sat in the car with Peter and he said to him, with great power comes. See? More Spider-Man fans than you've got to admit. So let's say a little bit louder for those that didn't watch it. With great power comes. Great responsibility. So see, because of what we have learned, because we understand that we are co-heirs with Christ, we have received the power from Jesus, we received the anointing, we received the covering of the family of God, and with that power comes responsibility. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke, and we're going to start reading at Luke 12, verse 48b, and it says this. For everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they've entrusted much of him, they will be asked all the more. So the more that you want from God, the more giftings you want, the more anointing you want, the more authority you want, the closer you get to him, the more you get in a relationship from him. What comes with that is also more responsibility. Because the more that I have from God, the more that I am supposed to give to others. It is this whole idea of we receive to give, we receive to give. And that's not just, um, when we say stuff like that, we receive to give, a lot of times we think financial, and yes, that means financial, but it also means of our time. If all of a sudden we have a job that is more flexible and stuff like that, that means God has blessed you with some more free time, so you're responsible for that time. God has blessed you with an anointing to, um, whether it's intercessory prayer, whether it's um, working in the gifts of the spirit and operation of healing or prophetic or anything like that, you now have more responsibility in those areas. We don't get to just keep these for ourselves. We are not bears that fill ourselves up as much as possible and go sleep for a long time. We are supposed to fill to pour out. We're not supposed to be a big just well that sucks it all in. We are supposed to be just a conduit that just flows through. God speaks to us and we share. God blesses us so we give. God will stretch you if you begin to ask him to. Have you ever heard the story? I told it before and so forgive me if some of you heard it. But Francis Chan, he's um, a pastor, he's written a few books and he had... His church grew crazy and he started traveling all over the place preaching and sharing the word of God. And he kept asking God for in his church because he was in an area that had a lot of needs. He's like, Lord, please send me more millionaires with a heart to give. And he's like, if you need to send young ones to catch the vision to give, send them to me, Lord, so we can do more for you. And he started getting frustrated because they weren't showing up. So he started praying differently. Lord, make me a millionaire so I can give it away. And within three years, he gave away a million dollars. And not in those three years. I mean, in one year time, in the third year, he says how much he started giving. And he didn't even really clue in. And all of a sudden, in the third year of those prayers, he gave away in that one year a million dollars. And he realized God had answered his prayer because he was faithful with what God had given to him. So sometimes... 
We pray for God to send something to us when we actually need to pray, not for somebody else to do it, for for us to do it. If you're willing to have the responsibility what comes with the authority. Because see, sometimes we want God to give us something that we are not able to handle. And that's why we think he's not answering our prayers when he's truthfully answering it because he's looking out for the best of us. See, I would love for God to bless me to be a millionaire so I could do all these things for him, but I'm not sure if I wouldn't buy a Harley. And so at the moment, he hasn't given me a million dollars. And I respect that and I understand that. And so we have to be careful. Sometimes the unanswered prayers are actually answered prayers because what we're praying for, we're not ready for. And so with great power comes great responsibility. And there's authority and responsibility that goes together. And they're necessary. See, God has entrusted his church and his authority over all of the earth to us. But now we're responsible for that authority. We are responsible for that. And so we need accountability for our authority. We need to be held accountable for our ability. I heard a speaker once say that we need accountability so that people hold us accountable for our abilities. See, we like to hold people accountable, but when was the last time we were held accountable for what we are gifted to do? You have a gifting, but you're not doing it. Do you have somebody in your life that can come along and gently say to you, why aren't you doing that? See, I know and I believe the scriptures and the word of God where he says he puts his body together. He plants trees where they're supposed to be. And so, see, you are in this church because he planted you here. That means you have an ability that somebody else doesn't. And so when we stand up here and we encourage you to get involved and volunteer in the church, it's not because we're standing here like, oh man, we just need some volunteers. We're so desperate. That's not it at all. I know that you have an ability and I want to hold you accountable for using that ability. Because as a church, we're not functioning at our fullest unless everybody's operating in their giftings. Because we know that about our physical bodies. If you have something in your body right now physically that isn't working properly, you understand what I'm talking about. And it hurts your body, it holds you back. And so if the church body isn't all involved and all operating and all functioning, it actually holds the church back. Because God has placed you here for it. I played in a hockey tournament on Friday. played three games. My body hurts today. It hurt yesterday. I expect that it'll hurt tomorrow. But that's because what I was doing, my body was not used to. And as God stretches our church and wants us to do different things, we need everybody. And so now you are responsible for the authority that God has given you. Are you going to step in and use it? See, it's interesting because... With the Great Commission, God told us to make disciples of the nations, of all nations. And we've kind of shrunk that back and reduced it to make disciples in nations. See, the Great, Command, the Great Commission was never go and make disciples in the nations. He said go and make disciples of all nations. So our authority is actually to disciple the nations, not just individuals. But what happens is we seem to feel sometimes small and powerless. And that's where when we sang today, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because it's fear that holds us back. It's fear that tears us down. And so we pull it back to something small that we can manage. If I disciple a couple people, then I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But see, I believe the church has been called to disciple nations. Nations. But we have to understand the power that we have. And then once we understand the power, we have to understand the responsibility of it. And this whole series, we've talked to you about the power that you have. And who you are, your true identity in Christ. Matthew 28, 18, it says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we're going to do today. Teaching them to observe all 
that I command you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In order to fully understand this, we have to come under the understanding of what authority we had in the first place. Do you understand when God created the earth and he created men and women in his image, they had all authority. All authority. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to have some, just a little bit of fun for a moment. I need an Adam and an Eve. Volunteered or voluntold? That's the way it's going to roll. Anybody? Perfect. You might as well stand together. You're, you're together. Now I need a Jesus. Josh? All right, there we go. You got voluntold, buddy. Now, next step, I need a God. Come on, somebody. Jesse, sure. Yeah, you can do it. Come on up. I heard you. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Wow. Nobody else heard I heard it. I got great ears. Yeah, sure. I could have got you for this one. See, now you're all going to wish, oh, I should have volunteered. Because now I need a Satan. And everybody's like, I can't volunteer for this. But then it's awkward for me to pick somebody. (laughs) Fine, Jesse, you can do it. Come on. I know there's two Jessies. You should have responded for the first one. (laughs) Yeah, you should stand over here (laughs) by yourself. All right, so here's the way this works. Where's God? Come on up here, God. God has the keys. All authority. He has all authority. He creates heaven and earth. And then he says, you know what? I want to create men and women in my own image. So then he creates Adam and Eve. Which in this moment, they look nothing alike. It's true. And then he gives them all authority. For them to rule the earth and to look after it and to maintain it. And we can read this just as you guys are standing there. You're doing well. Give them a hand for a moment. See, you guys are doing great. It says in Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over the, all creatures that move along the ground. So God created them. And then he, in verse 28, he blessed them. And he said, Be fruitful, increase in number. You guys got a lot of kids. This is great. I was going to try to move on, but I'm like, I can't. I got to... Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea. Jesse loves to fish. Could you imagine if all you had to say was like, hey, just get in the boat? I don't know if I'd love that. You don't know if you're like, that would make fishing entertaining to me. I hate fishing. (laughs) Rule over the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. They have full control. They can talk to them. They can lead them. I don't know if they can fully talk to them. Don't. But they can lead them. The, the animals come to them. They're in full control. And then one day, God, come on up here with me. One day, Adam and Eve are kind of just chilling and hanging out. And then Satan comes slithering along. I won't make you slither. <laughs> I just realized the fun part about this is this is his parents. <laughs> actually didn't clue into that at first. This is great. So he comes along and he tells them that he can give them something better. That God's actually trying to steal from them and hide from them and not want them to have the fullness. And how many people know how often does the enemy take our eyes off of everything that we can have and bring it to like one thing we can't have? And that one thing he pulls on us and he pulls on us and he pulls on us and distracts us. 
to the point where we start questioning God. God, why did you? How could you? Why not me? And then all of a sudden, it says that Eve could tell that it looked good to the eye. How many people know that sin never appears ugly? It doesn't, it's usually appealing. Like how many people know that it's a struggle to eat healthy because all the unhealthy food tastes so good? (laughs) Amen? Amen? Like why can't broccoli taste like chicken wings? (laughs) Can you imagine? I would eat broccoli all day long. <laughs> and if you cover it in cheese, it's not healthy anymore. But it looks appealing to the eye. And so she takes it and she eats. Now here's the interesting thing. Many of us like to say, Eve did it, women. But the Bible says she turned and gave it to her husband who was with her. So men, just for the record, Eve wasn't off doing some funky stuff on her own. She turns and she hands it to Adam and he eats. And what they don't realize is as they did this, they hand the keys over. You might as well just rip them out of his hands. You're used to taking his keys good. It's working out even better and better. And then so you slide over here. And you guys slide over with them. So now here's the divide. Sin has come in. I realize I just kind of placed myself as sin. Because I'm in the middle. But now sin's in here. And it separates them. And so the keys of authority, you have to realize God freely gave them. And they unknowingly gave them away. So now everything in our world is so different. Realize the world you live in is not, was not his plan. Was not the original plan. So why does bad things happen? Because of this guy. Metaphorically. Why do things happen in our lives? Yes, sometimes it's for us to strengthen. We shouldn't think every time something bad happens, there's a demon somewhere. I'm not saying that. Sometimes I have a cold because we live in a fallen world and I get a cold. That's it. Some things happen because they just happen. Because we live in a world that was not is not the way it was supposed to be. So then what does God do? God realizes that he wants to restore things back to the rightful way. But at this point, there's sacrifices that are happening just to be right with God. As they're killing doves and lambs and all animal lovers don't listen to this part and as they're killing them to sacrifice them to restore them to God Jesus comes along doesn't come along he's always been there just for all the theological people in the room he comes along and he's they talk and they go you know what we know how to restore this and for the record they knew at the beginning and as they go along they're Jesus shows up. He's born in a stable. So the king comes to earth and he's born in a barn. And not like the barns you see today. Most stables were like little caves. Wet, dirty, and messy and just, there's animals in there. It's gross. And he's born and he's laid in a manger 
And he lives his whole life for one purpose. As we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. You will hear me say so many years in a row, I will say it every time. You have no Christmas without Easter. Jesus did not show up on earth and then go 33 years later, maybe I'll I'll die on a cross. He came with the plan to die for you guys, for me. So she, he shows up on the scene. Come on up here. I'm not going to like nail you to the cross. Amen. But he gives his life up. And what you need to understand is when he gave his life up, I think too often we see a beautiful cross. And when we see Jesus, any pictures you see of Jesus nailed to the cross, you can see his face and he looks just like the guy that has the lamb over his shoulders swaddling a baby. And maybe a couple little things of blood on his face. But the Bible tells us that he was beaten beyond recognition. Anybody pluck an eyebrow out before? Anybody? Anybody? Just a few people? (laughs) Nobody wants a unibrow. Anybody pluck a nose hair? <laughs> Look at all the people now. They're like, eyebrows, no. Nose hairs, yes. <laughs> so you begin to understand what it feels like to have a hair pulled out of your face. Anybody ever, men, if you got a beard, anybody ever, I'm not going to do it to you. Anybody ever get like a kid, grab it and pull? Anybody. Right? It hurts. The Bible tells us they ripped his beard out. The cat of nine tails is a whip that has nine different threads on it. Long ones, short ones, broken bones, broken glass, sharp rocks, all in it. They whipped him. I think 39 times. And what you have to realize, you do the math, 39 times 9. I didn't do the math, so you do it. And as they whip him, they whip him in these nine strands attached to his back. I'll keep one finger up so it's just nine. And as they pull back, it rips. Anybody watch The Passion of the Christ? Truthful, raise your hands up and high. I forget the guy's name that played Jesus. Jim Caviezel. Thank you. He wanted to make the movie so real that they used a real cat of nine tails and they put a metal plate on his back and he leaned on the post. There was no computers to do the shoot. And they whipped him and one, one of the strands got around the plate and hooked his skin and they pulled it back and ripped him they used a computer from there on out he said I'm done one one strand once not one whip with nine one strand he said I'm done 39 times for you for me he went through this agony I don't know if you've studied what it's like to die on a cross, but you suffocate. Because you can't can't breathe like this. And your weight's hanging, so you suffocate yourself. And the only way to breathe is to pull yourself up and push with your feet. And that's why they nail into your arms and into your feet. So as you push and you pull, you're ripping your own skin. Chad, you're being very graphic today. I am. Because we forget what he did for us. Many of us, we see the salvation story through veggie tales. But he died for us. And as he died, he went down. 
Adam and Eve, you guys are kind of out of the picture now. You've been dead for a while. So you guys can just slide over for a minute. And as he goes down, Satan's kind of doing a victory dance because he's won. <laughs> Awkward silence until victory dance. There we go. I forgot one part of this. Just to share the story real quick. The scripture's there. We understand the authority that was given to the enemy from Adam and Eve because when Jesus was tempted, Satan is the one who took him up in the highest point and said, I can give you authority over all of this. He wouldn't say that if he didn't have it. Jesus said no because he actually knew he had it. But he came back to get it a different way. And so he's in the tomb, dead. His body's there. But in the spiritual realm, where we understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it is against the powers of darkness, the authorities that we fight. And so in those three days, there's a fight happening. I won't get you guys a fight, it's okay. And all of a sudden, the tombstone is rolled away. And Jesus begins to walk out. But before he walks out, he reaches back and he grabs the keys and he rips it out of his hands. And he walks back over here, come back over here. And before he goes to heaven, he tells the disciples, all authority has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Because what he has, he's given to us. So all of this has happened for you to have the authority that you have. I tell you this because a lot of times, even on Remembrance Day, the farther we get away from the wars, the less we understand what people sacrifice for you to have a right to protest against your rights. You protest, people protest against our soldiers when they're still dying for us. Jesus is still fighting for you. He stands before his father all the time. When you and I sin, he stands before him and he goes, I died for that. My sins, just turn and face Justin, my sins are covered. When I accept Jesus into my life, the Father doesn't see me, he sees Jesus. And the more Christ-like I become, the more closer I get to God, the more authority I have. Because in turn, before Jesus left, he handed us, the church, the keys. You guys are good. Give them a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you for volunteering so greatly. Appreciate it. So here's the cool thing about this. When you come into battles in your life, who has the keys? Does the enemy have the keys? We do. So who already has the victory? Sorry, who already has the victory? We do. Sorry, who has the victory? We do. Right. We do. We already have it. So whatever battle comes in your life, you've already won when you submit your life to Jesus. When you submit your life to the Lord and you follow him, you've already won. And so we get beat up and we feel defeated That's the enemy lying and deceiving you. Paul writes in Ephesians 1, he says in verse 18, 
pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That's you. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and the power and the dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Verse 22, he gave him as head over all things to the church. Such a powerful statement. Such a powerful statement that the church is supposed to be the fullness of Christ on earth. We are supposed to be Christ's example to this world. This is who you are. This is who I am. Jesus coming and restoring authority to the earth is not something that wasn't known about. Daniel prophesies about this in Daniel 7. We're going to read a few here and stop in between a, different, a few different spots. Daniel 7, starting at verse 13, it says, I kept, on, I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him all was given, to him, sorry, to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples and nations and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. After Daniel received this part of the vision, an angel came to him and gave him the interpretation. So what we just read was the vision. This is what Daniel saw. Now an angel comes and tells him, here is what you saw. Let me explain it to you. And so in verse 15, the angel is here and he says, Daniel writes down, as for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me and the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. Verse 18. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. So realize something here. In verse 13, the son of man, Daniel sees him the son of man, interpreted by the angel as the saints. And in the vision, the son of man receives dominion, glory, and a kingdom. And in the interpretation, the saints receive the kingdom. We are supposed to receive the kingdom of God. It is, for, it is for us. It is for us to walk in. So when do we receive this? Daniel 21. I kept looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and the overpowering them until the ancient of days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom so two things we learn real quick that will mark the beginning of the timeline as saints will rule judgment being passed in the courts of heaven in favor of the saints and two the saints receiving a kingdom this is us walking in his power walking in his authority Paul talks and tells us that when Jesus dies on the cross, something happened in the courts of heaven. Degrees had been spoken against us were destroyed, certificates of debt were canceled, and rulers and authorities were disarmed. In Colossians 2, he writes, Having been buried with them in buried with him in baptism, in which they were also raised up with him through faith and working of God, who raised him from the dead. When we were dead, when, sorry, when you were dead, in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your faith, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of degrees against us, which was hostile to us, 
And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. He has broken off the curses on our life. He has broken off the degrees of the enemy that want to pull us down. He's destroyed the enemy when he died and raised from the dead. We have victory because of this. Matthew 10, 7, Jesus says, And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We get to see the kingdom at hand. Because Jesus died for us to go. In Luke 9, 2, he says, And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healings. You have to remember that Jesus said that he has given us, he's given you the kingdom. Luke 12, 32, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. When we receive the Lord as our Savior, we are given the kingdom. The word kingdom has been used over 150 times in the New Testament alone. And saints, you, have received the kingdom in fulfillment of what Daniel saw in a vision long, long ago. You've received this. Isaiah 2, starting at verse 2, it says, Now... It will come about that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it and many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that we may... that he may teach us concerning his ways and what we may and that we may walk in his paths for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many people and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning horns nation will not lift up sword against nation and never again will they learn war The mountains are the prophet's metaphor for the authorities. And the house of the Lord is the church. Isaiah is saying that the last days, the church will be the chief authority on how to live life and make decisions. This will result in nations coming to us, learning God's ways. Do you realize that the church has been called to make disciples of all nations? Now, When we read this and we understand what it is saying and we realize the way our world looks and the way our society looks, that it does not look the way this says. Maybe it's time that we take the authority that we have and begin to lead the way we're supposed to lead. Begin to set the example that we are supposed to set. But Chad, look at our world. What can I do? God's not going to say to us when we get to heaven and stand before him and he says, what did you do with the authority I gave you? Well, I went and buried it because it seemed hopeless. He's given us authority to use it. And when we use it in a humble spirit, in a way to help and to give and to lead, people will begin to shift and come to the church, come to leaders and Christians to find out what is the proper way. And when we submit ourselves to the Lord and we follow his leading, you will be surprised how the world begins to shift. But the problem is we still think of ourselves as paupers or prisoners. We still don't see ourselves as children of God. We sometimes believe that the kingdom is not yet here. The problem is with this perspective is it leaves us in a place where we can't and shouldn't do anything about the world around us. 
And we can see from the studying of God's word that he's called us to be his answer to this world. You are the answer to this world. And he's called us to step in to help, not to run away from it. Now many of us, we know the Lord's Prayer. But now I want us to read the Lord's Prayer, not as paupers and prisoners. I want us to read it as royalty, as co-heirs with Christ. I want us to read this together, and it says this. Read with me. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power and the glory, forever. Amen. Jesus is the one who told us to pray this way. So his desire is to have his will done on earth in the same way that it's being done in heaven. We need to understand when we pray and say, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's not just praying about a second coming. That's praying about come now, have authority now, work through us. We also receive insight on how the earth can be impacted by a heaven. One of the key words that Jesus uses in his model of prayer is the word are. Are. What does are mean to us? Did you notice that when he's teaching us to pray, he doesn't say, pray this way. My father... Who art in heaven. He said. Our father. Who art in heaven. So it's not just Jesus. It's ours. It's yours. Our father. Who art in heaven. So the big question. Is how big is our. How big is it. How big is our. Does our apply to different things in our lives. Is it. Does it mean just me and my family? Or does it mean our, our Father, who art in heaven? Is it me and my friends? Or when I pray, our Father, do I think of my city? Stratford's Father. Do I think of our province? Ontario's Father. Canada's father, our father. What degree do we raise this to? How far do we think? When you think of the rise in crime rates and the changing of marital dynamics in our society, when we think of how our equal rights are being taken away by different groups in our society and the education regarding all the different things happening in our society... And when we think of the homeless and the poverty, the question presented to you this morning with the authority that we have and that you have, is this our problem? Or is the fact that it isn't our problem the real problem? See, whatever I own, I take responsibility for. Whatever you own, you take responsibility for. So, is this our city? Is it our province? Is it our country? Is it our church? Do you read articles? Do you read articles and say to yourself, oh, those poor people... Or you move to prayer and to call into action what you are informed about our problems. This has to be a matter to us if we're going to see heaven invade earth and have it invade Stratford. I can't look at my city and go, 
This city has problems. I've only been here four years and it's not this city, it's my city. It's our city. I've only lived in Ontario, so I can't tell you that this province has problems. Because it's my province. We talk about our country and the problems that our country has, but you have to remember and remind yourself that it's not this country, it's our country. Might I push hard enough to say, it's possibly our fault that we have some of the problems that we have. God calls the church into action on certain things and we pray a little bit and then go, well, God won't let this happen. And God says, I'm trying to use you so it doesn't. And then when it happens, we say, God, how did you let this happen? And he said, I tried not to, but too many Christians sat at home. Starting to realize how many times God's answer to prayer He actually uses people. See, to restore the authority on earth back to the way it was supposed to be, he sent his son to die. He didn't just snap his fingers and it happened. He uses people. We are accountable for the authority that we have. Christy says this in his book, and he says on page 182, When people come to me and want to tell me about something that needs to change in the church and begins their exhortation by saying the church needs or your church needs, I know they are not going to be a part of the solution. They are already distanced themselves from the problem in their hearts by using the words the church or your church. When they ask, do you know what our church needs? I know that they're ready to be a part of the solution. I read that our church is good. We don't get many complaints. If you do, you talk behind our backs and not to us. So it's great. Just teasing. But we don't get many complaints. But he uses this quote to say, I use it to tell you, like, if we're talking about our city, what are we doing to help? If we're talking about our province, what are we doing to help? If we're talking about our country, what are we doing to help? If you talk about your workplace, what are you doing to help? If you're talking about your neighborhood, what are you doing to help? When you begin to understand that you've been placed places because God wants you there, you begin to understand that not only do you have an authority, but you have a responsibility. It gives us a glimpse of our heart, the way we approach situations. It gives us a glimpse to know, are we talking about the problem or our problem. When I worked at Lakeshore, Rick Hilston was the district superintendent of Eastern Ontario and he would always say, whether it was with the district or whether it was the camp, anybody could come to him about a problem if they brought a solution. He was very clear that it didn't mean they would use that solution. But he said, Chad, he goes, as you begin in ministry, as you begin to live life, if you own your own business and you have employees, you know this as well, that if somebody just comes to you with a complaint that goes, well, we shouldn't be doing this. Well, what do you think we should be doing? I don't know. Kind of like, well, thanks. Just, if they give you a solution, it doesn't mean you're going to use it, but at least you know they want to be a part of the solution. When we think of our country, when we think of our city, do you talk about the city or do you talk about our city? Because see, God has actually placed us here to change it, to make it more like him. I truly believe that the more we change our hearts, the more we change our eyes, the way we see things, that when we read the scriptures and it says how the leaders of our country, the leaders of our cities will come to the Christian leaders, come to the church to say, what do you think we should do? I understand that it seems like we're so far away from that. But when Jesus died on the cross, all his disciples scattered because they thought he was the Messiah and they thought they were wrong. They thought, there's no way anything can happen now. 
We don't see how this can work. Three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb. And the ones that were scattered came running back going, I knew I was right. Can I just see the scars? God has a plan that he wants to use through his children, which is us. So now that we know, now that we understand, we must sense the ownership that we have and the authority that has been given to us, we must be responsible for that. When we think of the land and the community around us, we need to begin to identify ourselves with the future of our city, with the future of our church, with the future of our workplaces. And we need to start praying prayers that will shift the spiritual atmosphere and bring the kingdom of heaven to this, our nation, to this, our province, to our city, and to our church. That is the responsibility that we have now, to walk in the authority and pray and lead, not just from prayer closets, pray hard, but step out and be the hands of God and the leaders that we are called to be with the authority that he has given us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning. Father, I thank you so much for the keys that you have given us. Lord, it is my heart's desire, it is us as leaders at this church, it's our heart's desire that, Father, we are empowered and equipped by you to lead, not just in our homes, but in our communities and in our our city and in our workplaces and our province and in our country and into the world. Father, I pray that you burn inside of us this passion to not go make disciples, but go make disciples nations of disciples that father we go and we change this world one step at a time one person at a time and so holy spirit lead us strengthen us give us the boldness to seek after you and lord help us to remember every day from this moment on the responsibility that we have with the authority that you have given us In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.